what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I am Mark Janone, joined as always by the man with the plan, Mr. Dan Silver of Phillies Flyer. Dan, what's up? Oh, just trying to stay cool in this crazy, hot East Coast weather, but it's it's all good, man. It's, uh, you know, it's like the summer, and I just, I've, we've got hockey dripping all around us. It's it's, it's phenomenal. It's it, This is one of my favorite times of the year, because it's when people go crazy thinking about what's going to happen during the upcoming season, and uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm I'm, I'm pumped up. Yeah, this is definitely the point of the summer where things kind of hit a bit of a lull because it's after the draft. It's after, you know, prospect camp is done, free agency is done. So this is when you start really itching to get to the regular season and, you know, training camp and all that fun stuff. And our main point of conversation today is you once again put out your stellar top 20 prospects last time was your top 15 this time you expanded it by five more top 20 flyers prospects and we're going to get into that but uh first we would be remiss if we didn't uh talk briefly about the recent passing of former flyers goalie ray emery um passed away over the weekend uh apparently he drowned uh swimming up in hamilton ontario 35 years old, way too young to go. I mean, Ray Emery was obviously probably, um, outside of Ron Hextall, like the most badass goalie that has ever, you know, strapped on the pads uh, in the NHL. You'll never forget the moments that you watched Ray Emery, you know, go full length of the ice going after some other goalie. I was watching a video last night of a fight he got in with Marty Biron when uh, Marty was still with, Buffalo, Ray Emery was with Ottawa, and he, the whole time he's punching Marty Buran in the face, he just has a smile ear to ear, and that's who Ray Emery was. I mean, he just loved to play the game. He was he was a, a good goalie. I mean, you know, when the Flyers got him, there was some excitement because he still had something in the tank and something to offer at the NHL level, and it's just it's extremely sad uh, to lose a guy like him. At 35, you see all the nice things that his former teammates on the Flyers and other teams are saying. So it's just heartbreaking to lose a guy like Ray Emery. Yeah, he, you know, everything you see, he just seems like he was such a personable guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk about the fights. He was like he was a flyer through and through just from right. the way that he played the game. And his probably his most notable uh, moment as a flyer. Uh, was the fight he had against Braden Holpe. It was like a, a, line, a line brawl, and I was watching it. You know, the, the day that this broke, I was going back through some of the Ray Emery video, and it was, you know, you see Emery, you know, just destroy Braden Shen's in the video fighting someone. Um, it was, uh, you know, I don't know. It was just phenomenal. Um, so, you know, it's it's just so sad. And you never want to speculate on on any of this, so I'm not going to. Um, it's it's just you know I don't know. It's what is he 35 years old and he obviously used to see outpouring of his former teammates that he just was such a genuine person. So it's it's just it's it's really sad when something like this happens. You know, Philadelphia fans 
kind of had this a similar situation with with uh, Roy Halladay that mm-hmm. that occurred, and it's yeah, whatever these athletes, something like this happens to, to guys who we've watched and enjoyed watching play the sport. Um, it's uh, it's just it's really sad, and especially when it's a guy that was was on the team and that um, that uh, the city that we root for. So, you know, rest in peace to Ray Emery. And um, I'm sure that the Flyers will, you know, they came out with a really nice statement that they had had. There will be some, some fitting ceremonies for Ray coming up for the uh, upcoming Flyer season. All right, absolutely. All right, so let's uh, switch gears here a little, uh, a lot lighter of a situation. And that, once again, is your top 20 Flyers prospects. This is... Um, very anticipated article that you've now put out uh, a couple times. Obviously, like I said, back in January, you put out top 15. This time, it's top 20. You expanded it by five. I'm sure because the Flyers have such a rich and deep pool of prospects that you can't narrow it down to just 15. So you go to 20, and you know all the uh, all the guys that we've talked about at length over the last year of us doing this podcast are on this list couple of new faces of the guys that were recently drafted but uh, I guess we'll just go over you know first because you kind of went like a tiered system it was the top three guys and then you know the following three are kind of like that next level down and uh, I'm just gonna you know I don't want to give too much away because I want people to read it and you can check it out at phileasflyers.com their links are on twitter at dsilver88 is Dan, at Philly is Flyer, and I've even tweeted it out on the show, at underscore getting bullied. But to start off, going from 6 to 1, and uh, I'll just read them off, and then you can kind of just give your thoughts on some of the guys. Uh, obviously, um, number 6, Isaac Radcliffe, a guy me and you both really like, a uh, really unique skill set of size, and then you know his hands are pretty phenomenal for a guy his size. Uh, number 5, recent draft draft pick taken 19th overall by the Flyers, Jay O'Brien. Number four, the 14th pick in this year's draft, Joel Farabee. Number three, my favorite, uh, defenseman for the Phantoms, Philippe Myers. And then the top dogs sit one and two, and you could probably put either one at the top slot. But you went our boy Morgan Frost at number two. And, of course, the man that I've dubbed the franchise, goaltender prospect Carter Hart, rounds out the top six, ranks in at number one. And so kind of, you know, when you looked at these top six guys, obviously the first two, the first three are no-brainers. But when you get into the recent draft picks and then Ratcliffe at number six, what was some of your reasoning that went into constructing this list, but specifically these top six players? Yeah, so first, you know, before I delve into any individual players, I want to talk a little bit about the Flyers prospect pool as a whole, because, like, me and you are huge Flyers fans, right? So we're probably a little bit biased when it comes to this. I have not done nearly the same amount of work on the Maple Leafs farm system or the Colorado Avalanche farm system or the Detroit Red Wings farm system or the Tampa Bay Lightning farm system as I have with the Flyers. So obviously I know the most about the Flyers farm system. So when I'm looking at it and I see how talented and deep that this system is, I say to myself, the Flyers have to have the best prospect group in the NHL. Then, of course, what goes through my mind is, well, what do, what do other people 
people say because I'm biased. Uh, what are some of the other opinions? So one of the quotes that I had in my article was from Steve Quinnios, who I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but he is a very highly respected draft analyst. Um, his Twitter handle is the draft analyst, in fact, and he put together a really good draft preview this year that I recommend, you know, moving forward, everyone should download his draft preview. He, um, and he has no biases whatsoever that I know of. And in his draft review, he reviewed every team's uh, farm system. So here's what he said about the Flyers' farm system. The Flyers have the NHL's best prospect pool, period. Their farm system overflowing with talent to the point where there won't be any room for them in either Philadelphia or their AHL affiliate in Lehigh Valley. You can make the argument that the players – at the bottom of the Flyers' depth chart are superior to the entire farm system of most NHL teams. Now, let that sink in. Sink in. He's saying that the players at the bottom of the Flyers' prospect depth chart are better than the farm systems of most NHL teams. That's incredible. And what that does is that just reinforces what I had thought, which was that when I'm looking at this, and you mentioned that I went from doing the top 10 prospects, like the first time I did it, to the top 15, to now I'm at the top 20 with honorable mentions after that, um, that I keep expanding because the f- have all these prospects that I've got like 18, 19, 20, who could be NHL players. I mean, to put that into perspective, you go back and look at what the Flyers' prospects were when Paul Holmgren was the GM. The Flyers, like, number three and number four prospects were guys that were, like, borderline NHL players. Oh, you're going 20, 25 deep with guys that could be in, in the NHL, and that is huge for a franchise because what it means is that last year, for example, Ron Hextall traded Cooper Marodi, uh, who the Flyers drafted. Um, so the Flyers drafted Cooper Marodi in the – sixth round of the 2015 draft and he turned into a really good college player like this past season he scored 51 points in 40 games for the university of michigan he was one of the leading scorers in college hockey and the flyers traded him for a third round pick to the edmonton oilers so right there you've got a guy who was drafted in the sixth round and really would never have fit in with the flyers were so deep at hextall trading for a third round pick so Moving forward, there's going to be more and more guys like Cooper Marodi that Ron Hextall is going to be able to trade teams because they're potential third-line NHL players, but the Flyers aren't going to have any room for them. So they can either trade for draft picks or at the deadline when the Flyers are ready to contend for a Stanley Cup, they're going to be able to trade some of these guys uh, for really good veterans who maybe have expiring contracts. So it's part of the reason why it's so important that this team's prospect pool is where it's at. It's going to allow Ron Hextall a lot of flexibility. So as you mentioned, you talked about my top six. So let's start at the top with Carter Hart, right? He is, you know, I tweeted last week or the week before that, that if Carter Hart pans out, he is going to absolutely run Philadelphia mm-hmm. because this town has not had a franchise goaltender uh, since Bernie Perron led the Flyers to -to back-to-back Stanley Cups in the 70s. And most of us are, I I wasn't born then, 
I'm guessing that most of our listeners, you know, probably weren't born or were very young back when the Flyers were winning those Stanley Cups. So they just haven't seen a franchise goaltender. You look at Carter Hart, and I think there's a very strong case to be made that he's the best North American-based goaltending prospect in the history of hockey. I mean, look at what this guy's done. So this year, he's playing in the Western Hockey League, which fans that aren't familiar with the Canadian junior system. So most of the best Canadian players play in the Canadian juniors before they play in the NHL. That's three different leagues, the Ontario Hockey League, the Western Hockey League, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So Carter Hart played in the Western Hockey League. He's the first goalie of all time to win three top goaltender awards. He won three in a row. He's also the first goaltender of all time, and this is more impressive, to win two Canadian Hockey League Goaltender of the Year awards. And that's all. that comprises all three of those leagues. So he did that. His numbers were preposterous. Uh, he set a single-season record with a .947 save percentage for the Everett Silvertips. Um, and he led the WHL with 1.60 goals against average. Just for comparison, his closest competitors for guys that played more than 20 games was a 2.77 goals against average. So that's more than an entire goal uh, that this guy was allowing as opposed to Carter Hart. And 9.14 save percentage, and Hart was 9.47. Ho-hum, ho-hum, he also led Team Canada to a World Junior Championship gold medal. And when you watch Carter Hart play, to me, what's so impressive is that he's athletic, but you, you almost can't tell because his positioning is so good and his movements are so quick and efficient that he doesn't have to make a lot of saves where his athleticism comes through. But when he really has to, you know, move poster, flash the glove, he can. And so... He's a guy who looks bully prospects. It's very hard to determine how they're going to develop as they move up from level to level um, because they're playing at different levels of competition. And also I think because goaltending is such a mental exercise that guys can, you know, it's, it, it can be fragile. You know, you have a bad season and that can really impact you. But, but Carter Hart um, has had a sports psychologist working with him for a number of years now. And he's so cool and collected in net that I have not seen a better goaltending prospect. And this year he's turning pro. Uh, he's going to be either in the AHL or the NHL. So when players reach the age of 20 and they come out of the Canadian junior systems, they have to either uh, they, they have to turn pro pretty much. It's not prospect. So he's either going to be in the AHL or the NHL. Most People are assuming he's going to be in the AHL because goaltender development is typically a little bit slower than other positions. So whereas Ivan Provorov made the Flyers when he was 19 and Nolan Patrick made the Flyers when he was 18, for goalies it usually takes a little bit longer. So the expectation is that Carter Hart will start the season in the AHL and he may split games with Alex Lyon, potentially. But I truly think that he's going to be so good in the AHL that when Brian Elliott and or Michael Neuberth inevitably get injured or struggle during the season, I think that there's a very good chance that we could see Carter Hart in a Flyers uniform this season. Um, so, you know, he's just really, he's a really exciting prospect. 
And you know, before we move on, I mean, I know you're some of the same thoughts about, about Carter Hart, right? Yeah, I mean, look. All the numbers are there. You mentioned all of them. This guy is as elite a goalie prospect as there has ever been in this sport, in this league. And the fact that the Flyers have him is nothing short of amazing because you mentioned Bernie Perrant as, you know, the last, you know, obviously he was the last guy that took the Flyers to a Stanley Cup. In the years since then, you know, Pelly Lindbergh had all the flashes of being the next big thing, and we know what happened to him tragically passing away in a car accident Ron Hextall comes along and you know a fan favorite for the way he played but he was never you know he was never as elite a prospect or not a prospect but as elite a player as Bernie Perrant once was obviously took the Flyers to the finals in 97 but they couldn't pull it out so the fact that the Flyers it's taken this long to get a guy like Carter Hart in the system and in this franchise is it's incredible when you think all the history this team has, and they never have been able to get the most important position in the sport correct. And then along comes the franchise, and we are all just sitting at the edge of our seats waiting for him to wear a Flyers jersey and to start stopping pucks as a Flyer. And it's going to be it's going to be quite a tease having him in the Phantoms, watching him play, especially if he, if he comes out and playing well, if he starts to if to show the flashes that we all believe he's going to show and if he takes his junior career and just progresses it that much more in the AHL we're just going to be all salivating at the mouth watching this kid play and it's going to be reason for you know some of the more casual fans to find a way to either watch the phantoms on you know the internet tv however you can get that or to make the trip to Allentown to watch them live because you know, I've never seen Carter Hart in game action. Obviously, he plays in Everett, so I've never been there. I've never seen him play in live game action. But from what I saw at last year's prospect camp and then one year later at this year's prospect camp and how he progressed in that year's time, this kid has unbelievable skill. And you're right. You're so right about his positioning. It is as on point as you want a goalie to be. And you know, it's exciting because you mentioned that he has the athleticism and he's never really had to flash it that much. He's never really that far out of position to where he has to stretch across to make a highlight real save. So it's going to be interesting to see how his positioning and how his quickness is going to translate to the NHL when things are faster, when players are more skilled, when players are bigger. And, you know, that's ultimately going to be the real test. But I see nothing in Carter Hart's game that says that he will not be able to progress to the NHL and be the top goalie that the Flyers have been looking for for 40-plus years now. And it's it's one of the most exciting things going, not just for the Flyers, but in Philadelphia sports as a whole right now because all the talk is Carter Hart, Carter Hart, Carter Hart. Even guys that, you know, fans that don't really know much about Flyers prospects know who Carter Hart is because he is he's being billed as the guy that's going to save this franchise at, from the goalie position. And if for some reason he can't do it, I cannot begin to tell you the level of disappointment that we're all going to feel if this thing doesn't pan out. But I see no reason why it shouldn't because he's that damn good. Yeah, and he, you know, I've been to the last three development camps. And he's at all three. And, you know, look, obviously you put a lot more stock in what these guys are doing. Um, 
during their seasons, right? right. But the de- the progression that I saw from him at the development camps was was staggering, and to the point where this year he was he just he just looked so confident and in control when he was out there. So I mm-hmm. you know I'm so excited to see what happens when he turns pro in the fall. Um, you know, talk about I split my listings into tiers and my first tier was heart. And then the guys who are at number two and number three. And at number two, I had Morgan Frost, who is one of our favorite flyers prospects. He's a guy who, you know, the flyers made that trade last year where they traded Braden Shen and they got two first round picks and Yuri Laterra. Laterra was pretty much just a salary cap dump from the blues. And it was really mainly the two first round picks that made that deal happen. And for the, with the first pick, the Flyers took Morgan Frost, and not a lot of fans have heard of Morgan Frost. Uh, he most prospect gurus had him going in the second round last year. You know, he you looked at his numbers, and and he had only scored 62 points in 67 games for Sault Ste. Marie in the OHL. That's the Ontario Hockey League again, one of those Canadian junior leagues. But the the Flyers, Ron Hexel came out and said, look, this was the one guy that all of our scouts loved. They all loved him. They loved his hockey IQ. They loved his skill. And he wowed me last year at development camp. And I thought he was going to have a big season. But I I mean, I don't think anyone predicted what was going to happen. Because he went from 62 points last year to scoring 112 points this year. He finished the season with 42 goals and 70 assists which was good for second in the entire OHL with 112 points. As an 18-year-old, he finished second in MVP voting for the OHL. Obviously, he scored a lot more points than most of the guys that were drafted ahead of him, which is pretty impressive. And When you watch him play, Morgan Frost reminds me a lot of Claude Giroux. He's an elite playmaker. He just plays the game with such a cerebral edge over his opponents to the point where you watch him play and he's thinking two or three moves ahead of the opposition. He's like one of those Russian chess players who, you know, they just, they've got everything mapped out in their mind and you watch Morgan Frost and that's what you think. You're like, this guy knows what's going to happen 10 seconds from now. And that's why he finished with 70 assists in the OHL was that he makes these passes that other players can't even dream of making. And you know, I wrote an article about him in December where I had about 15 or 20 video highlights. Fans should go check that out because Morgan Frost just has this incredibly high hockey IQ and he makes great plays. So here's the question mark about Morgan Frost now, because Travis Konechny averaged the same points as a 18 year old and he made the Flyers as a 19 year old. Morgan Frost the, the Flyers did not go out and sign a third-line center. Mm-hmm. So the thought process is that maybe that means that Morgan Frost has a better shot to make the team as a third-line center. I don't really think it changes Morgan Frost's chances of making the team at all because Ron Hextall all along has said that he will uh, add these prospects to the team when they are ready. And he's consistent. Lee said over the last few months that Morgan Frost needs to bulk up. So Morgan Frost showed up at development camp at 5'11", 185, which is the playing weight for Claude Giroux. A lot of fans on Twitter were like, oh, he's the same weight as Claude Giroux now. He should make the team. You know, I'm not sure that there's a there's a, 
comparison there. Um, and it's one-to-one -one because you add weight, you need to figure out how to, how to use that weight to your advantage. But it's a good sign. And I, look, I still think there's a less than 50% chance that Morgan Frost makes this team just because of how often Hexall has talked about him needing to bulk up. But without a third-line center uh, in the mix, for sure, um, it is there for Morgan Frost taking if he comes into training camp and proves that he's ready for that role. So, you know, I think there's probably a 30% chance that Morgan Frost makes the team. And he's the kind of guy who he is immediately going to become one of the team's biggest offensive contributors because he's such a good passer. So he's going to make all the players around him better. And worst case scenario, he goes back to the OHL. He plays in the World Junior Championships, which he didn't last year. He gets one more year of seasoning. And to start the 2019-2020 season, he's the Flyers' third-line center. So, you know, he's a guy that, just he's got top line potential and it's he's very exciting and my next guy in that top tier and my last guy in the top tier was the guy who you're the self-proclaimed president of his fan club is philippe <laughs> myers and philippe myers is is he's a top pair defenseman a potential top pair defenseman in the nhl he's six five he's 210 he's huge um his story is something that a lot of fans are familiar with but some aren't so you know quickly to recap he was not drafted uh, he was eligible for the 2015 draft, and he only had eight points and a minus 14 rating in 60 games. No one drafted him. The Flyers invited him to their training camp in September. They were really impressed, and they signed him. And the following season, he went from scoring eight points to uh, 45 points with a plus 52 rating. And he played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, which, again, is one of those three Canadian junior systems. And all of a sudden, this guy went from being undrafted to being one of the best defense prospects in the world and a top pair defenseman for team Canada at the world junior championships, which just shows you, you know, how highly he's regarded. The issue with Phil Myers has been staying healthy. So he turned pro this past season. He played the whole season with the Lehigh Valley phantoms and he missed a bunch of games at the beginning of the season. Uh, he, he came back towards the middle to end of the season, and he was fine. And he was an absolute workhorse in the playoffs for them. He he played 66 minutes in one of their games in the playoffs, which I think is a professional record. It was a five-overtime game uh, win for the Phantoms. It's the longest game in the history of the AHL. So I went back and looked at like the Flyers-Penguins game, uh, which was the longest game in the history of the NHL, I believe, and no one played that many minutes. So I think Myers' 66 minutes was the most that anyone's ever played. Uh, he's like he's got all the tools. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. He's got a good shot. He's a good passer. He's uh, he's right-handed, which the Flyers need. And him, along with Ivan Provorov, Shane Gostisbehere, and Travis Sanheim, are the only four defensemen of the Flyers system that really project as potential top pairing guys. And mm -hmm. to have four top pairing guys as your top four defensemen is going to be a huge advantage for this team. So the question is, is he going to make the Flyers in the fall? Well, you know, look, right now, the Flyers' top six defensemen are Provorov, Gostas Bear, McDonald, Sanheim, Gudis, Haig, and then they signed Christian Foline as their seventh defenseman. So the challenge for Phil Myers is he's got to vastly outplay 
one of those guys to make the team. It could happen. I mean, look, he's a much better defenseman than Robert Haig. It's he's he's a you know Andrew McDonald's not going to get sent down. Uh, Rat, I think the only two guys that he can beat out for spots are probably Haig or Gudis, or if Dave Haxtell decides he really wants to screw with Travis Sanheim again, maybe Sanheim. But it's it's probably somewhat of a long shot that Myers makes the team out of camp. But I would bet dollars to donuts that Phil Myers is on the Flyers by February because he's just too talented to keep down in Lehigh Valley. And you know, I know you love Phil Myers, so why don't you know why don't you chime in? What what do you, what do you love about this guy? Well, what I love, and it's becoming more and more popular in today's NHL, is you know the the defenseman that can handle the puck and can deliver a lot on the offensive end. And that's exactly what Phil Myers brings. I mean, his offensive talent as a defenseman is, is, it's very high. And it's something to really, when you watch him with the puck, when you watch him, you know, make decisions or, you know, just kind of, you know, on power plays and stuff like that, you're almost, you know, your jaw drops a little bit that a guy that plays that position can, you know, be that good with the puck and, be that good at generating offense and unfortunately for him he's you know he's just a victim to the numbers game right now the flyers just have this log jam of defensemen uh on their roster and you know it's because of guys like gudis and mcdonald are still on their contract and you know not obviously not part of the future of this team but you're you know, you're handcuffed if you're the Flyers. You can't just get rid of these guys, you know, because there's cap implications and stuff like that. And, you know, you can't trade a guy that a, that other teams don't want. So, you know, that's that's the downside right now for Phil Myers is that he has so much skill. He has so much talent. And like you said, he's going to end up being a top, you know, one of the top four defensemen on this team more than likely, um, you know, like you said, you you said by February, but you know the next season, 2019, 2020, You know he's on this team and he's contributing to this team regularly. But right now, you know, it, it just sucks for him because he's being held back because of guys like Gudis and guys like McDonald. And you know he has to just come in. He has to come in and have you know a flawless camp and has to give the Flyers every reason to not send him back to the Phantoms. And unfortunately, I just don't think that's going to happen. And the injury thing is always going to loom over his head. Um, hopefully he could get that under control and stay healthy and, you know, just go down with the Phantoms and do what he does. Because you're right, the Flyers are in desperate need of a right-handed defenseman. Right now, they're only two are Gudis and Foline, And obviously, those guys are not, you know... They're not going to help you very much in the offensive zone. Um, you know, Gudis will more than likely be suspended for a long period of time at some point this season because he's just a dumb player and he's going to do something idiotic. He's going to retaliate. And, you know, maybe that's the window that you'll see for Myers to come up. You know, an injury obviously is always a possibility. But, you know, with Gudis, you always have a stronger possibility of him getting suspended than him getting injured. So that could be the window for Phil Myers. But, you know, the Flyers fans should just be really, you know, just be happy that, yeah, you're going to have to endure another year of McDonald and Gudis. But just know that there there's a guy coming up that is going to really make you 
you know, he's going to make your eyes almost pop out of your head with some of the stuff he could do as a defenseman. And he's going to be a regular contributor to the offensive talent of this team going forward. And I, I can't say enough about him. I love watching him play. Um, you know, obviously he's he's like an Iron Man. He's he's ridiculous with the, with the amount of minutes he played in that five overtime game. You know, if you could get if he could stay healthy and do stuff like that, and you have a guy like him, and you have a guy like Provorov in the same defense uh, group for your team, that's something that most teams in the history of this league can't say they have, and the Flyers are going to have it for you know they're both in their early twenties, so they're going to the Flyers. Perceivably could happen for the next, you know, eight years at least, where they're going to have two workhorse, just ridiculously good defensemen, and then you sprinkle in Gudis and, or I'm sorry, Gossespierre and Sanheim in there, and it's just, it's going to be incredible to watch over the next few years to watch all these guys develop and really gain chemistry together, playing with each other, and really start to push this team to the next level because it's going to be shut down blue line for the Flyers for the for the you know very foreseeable future. Yeah, and it's funny because the, the Flyers prospect system has gone from being one where we looked at the defenseman as, you know, the Flyers have far and away the best defensive prospects in the league, right? They, there was a time where the Flyers defense prospects were uh, Provorov, Myers, Sandheim, Haig, Moran. And now a bunch of those guys have graduated, right? Provorov is already one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Sandheim is no longer a rookie. Um, he got kicked around a little bit by Dave Axtell last year, but it, he looks like he's you know going to be a very good offense defenseman in the NHL. He's got to button it up a little bit defensively. But now the Flyers still have, are deep in the defensive prospect pool when you look at Myers. But Myers is really the only top full, top pairing potential D-man in their prospect system. We've got Linus Hoberg, who's one of my favorite prospects, uh, who's probably a, mid, a mid-pair you know, defenseman Moran is still there. He's probably a bottom pair guy. Adam Yinning, who we'll talk about a little later, who they took in the second round, probably was a reach, and he's probably more of a third-pairing defenseman. But right now, it's forwards and goaltenders that are leading the way in the Flyers' prospect system. And so I'm going to talk about my next tier, which was – I. so the first three guys I talked about, Hart, Frost, and – Myers are all guys that right now are elite prospects. They have proven it in the Canadian Hockey League, the Canadian Juniors, um, and Myers last year in the AHL. Those guys are all elite prospects. But there's three guys that stand out to me who could join that group. They could be elite prospects. We just don't really quite know enough yet. So uh, at number four and five on my list are the two guys at the Flyers picked in the draft this year joel Farabee and jay o'brien they're both u.s forwards they're a little bit different so joel Farabee spent the season he's a left winger uh he's six foot 165 the flyers drafted him 14th he spent the season with the u.s development program so what that is is basically the united states put together this program for draft eligible players to play in if they weren't old enough to go to college yet and they didn't want to go to the Canadian junior system. So most of the top U.S.-born players in their draft-eligible season, if they stay in the U.S., they're going to play for the U.S. development program. So that's where Joel Fairview played. And he 
scored 116 points in 88 games, including 48 goals, which is, you know, it's incredible. Um, you know, they're playing a lot of their games against colleges and against teams in the U.S. junior system, but it's still incredible. Uh, and these are guys that, again, we don't didn't know a whole lot about uh, before the draft. We hadn't seen them live, which is why I love going to development camp. I know uh, Mark was there, too. Both Mark and I were at the tournament. And what impressed me so much about Farabee was how smart of a player he is um, and how tenacious he is. So you watch the highlights of Farabee, and he's really good on the penalty kill. Uh, he scored some highlight reel goals where he just forced turnovers, outskated opponents, and made spectacular moves to score. He also has a phenomenal wrist shot. Um, in my story, you can see one of the wrist shots he had that is just just incredible. Uh, he's he's also a guy who is Morgan Frost is thinking a couple plays ahead of the competition. So you can see that in the development camp. He had some plays where he's just he's so savvy that he's making plays that other guys aren't even thinking about. This coming season, he's going to be a freshman at Boston University. It's one of the best programs in the NCAA. And I think he's going to be one of the best freshmen in college hockey. I think he's, you know, Faraby is a guy who's got first-line upside. He also has a very high floor. So meaning that, you know, if, even if he doesn't meet his up total potential, he's still a third-line NHL player because of his skill and his grit. Um, the surprise pick for the Flyers was at number 19. Oh, so they took Farabee to 14. A lot of people thought they'd take a defenseman at number 19. There were some good ones available. And the Flyers, you know, needed to stock defensively with top prospects a little bit. But they reached, quote-unquote, for a player named Jay O'Brien, who's another U.S. player and was ranked much lower by a lot of scouts. Top, you know, early second round, mid-second round. Uh, but when Ron Hextall makes a reach like he did with Morgan Frost last year, you need to take notice. So I started looking more at Jay O'Brien, and he's a guy who didn't play in the U.S. development system. He, he stayed in high school, which is, you know, it's not – he's it's really not going to challenge him as much. He said that he did it because he wanted to be in a environment where he would be comfortable going to the gym every day and working out every day. And He just thought for his development he would be more comfortable with it. So – O'Brien played at Thayer Academy, which is a high school that Jeremy Roenick went to and that Tony Amante went to. And Amante is the current coach there. And O'Brien tore it up, right? He scored 80 points in 30 games, including 43 goals. The problem for scouts is that how do you judge a player who's not playing against top competition, right? I mean, it's like, uh, you know, if I go to the basketball court and I'm playing against uh, six-year-olds, I'm going to look really impressive, right? So it's how do you judge the talent? Um, and the Flyers apparently scouted him very heavily. He said the draft O'Brien did that the Flyers came to like four or five games during the season. Ron Hextall went, went to see him, and they loved him. And I'm telling you, I fell in love with Jay O'Brien at the development camp because he was the most dynamic player I saw, more than, more than Morgan Frost more than Joel Farabee. And what I mean by that was that when he had the puck on his stick, you knew that something exciting was going to happen, right? Morgan Frost and Farabee are both playmakers. They can both finish, but they're not quite as like explosive as 
Jay O'Brien was from what I saw at the development camp. He's got, he skates with a low center of gravity. He's got a ton of skill and he never sk stopped skating. His motor kept on running. He looked to me like a guy who just wants the puck on his stick. He scored a number of really nice goals. And it reminded me of two players when I was watching him. The first was Jeremy Rowe, who's, you know, one of the best U.S. born players of all time and a phenomenal offensive player. And he had a lot of confidence. And Jay O'Brien's got a lot of confidence when you hear interviews with him. Borderline on arrogance. But, hey, you know what? I, I love it. I like the confidence. The second guy he reminded me of was Matthew Barzal, who won the Calder Trophy last year for the New York Islanders. Same thing. He's with a low center of gravity, very fast, good shooter, good playmaker. And, and he reminded me a little bit of Barzal. So, uh, O'Brien is going to be attending Providence College as a freshman this upcoming season. It's a really good program. And I think that just like Joel Farabee, I think O'Brien's going to put up huge numbers as a freshman. I think the Flyers are going to have two of the best freshmen in college hockey next season. And I cannot wait to see these guys develop in college. The, uh, the guy who had number six, who was the only other prospect who I thought had obvious top line upside was huge scoring winger Isaac Ratcliffe. So Ratcliffe is a guy that the Flyers took in the second round last year. He's a 6'6", 200-pound left winger. Uh, the Flyers loved him because they had a second-round pick, a mid-second-round pick, and they traded that second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick to move up to the early second round to get Isaac Ratcliffe. And that's a overpayment for sure. But it's because they really liked him. And Ratcliffe scored 41 goals in the OHL this season. He was playing in the same league as Morgan Frost. There were only two 18-year-olds in the OHL who scored more goals than him. Frost was one of them with 42. And Nick Suzuki, who is a first-round pick of the Vegas Golden Knights. And when you watch Isaac Ratcliffe, his, his, the tools that he possesses for a 6'6 player are incredible. He's... I mean, he, he stick handles sometimes like, he, like you see guys like, you know, Alexei Kovalev. He's obviously nowhere near that level of stick handler. But I'm just saying, you watch one of the goals uh, on my top 20 list that I posted from Ratcliffe, and he skates up the right wing, he draws the puck through his legs, around the defenseman, and then goes top shelf. He's just, he's got everything you want uh, in a p potential dominant, huge big-time scorer in the NHL. Um, he, For me, he was the most improved player from last year's development camp to this year. He just kind of like – you could tell last year he was still growing into his body, figuring out how to stick handle for a guy that big. This year, he looks like – Ron Hextel said he looked like he had linked up with his top half and his bottom half, and that's, that's a very good way of describing it. Ratcliffe looked completely comfortable out there, completely confident. The team that he was on in the development camp – Won the won the tournament. He was probably their best player. Him and Joel Farabee. Uh, he was playing good defense. He's got great character. His junior team, the Guelph Storm, has already named him captain for next season. And he's a guy who 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 you could see as a top line NHL winger scoring thirty to thirty five goals a year. Um, and he's just he's a very exciting prospect. He was a he's the guy who moved up the most on my list from January to July and uh, you know so Ratcliffe O'Brien and and Farabee are all three guys who I see with top line upside 
uh, another a guy I wanted to um, kind of dive into a little bit, and I see his name pop up a good bit on Twitter. You know, uh, there's some people that really love him. Some other people are kind of iffy about him. Uh, and that's Sam Moren. You have him here at 15, which is, um, you know, I, I think it's a fair spot for him. Now, this is a guy that was drafted in 2013 in the first round. They took him 11th overall. We're now five years into his pro career, and he's played only three games with the Flyers. Uh, two last year, one the year before. Now, he's a guy also that's had a lot of injury problems, especially last year. He only played 15 games with the Phantoms. So what is it? I mean, has he just not progressed the way the Flyers hoped he was going to? Or are they I, I get the feeling almost that the Flyers just kind of have, um, I guess, I don't want to know. I don't know if soured is too strong of a word, but maybe, you know, maybe they're, they, they don't like him as much as they thought they were going to five years into his career. And I feel like he's a guy that, you know, Again, he's not even being mentioned as really fighting for a spot on this roster this year. So where, where do you think the Flyers stand at this point with Sam Morant five years into this? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, Sam Morant was the last first-round pick under Paul Holmgren. So he was not a Ron Hextall pick. And it was a bit of a strange pick at the time. I mean, you don't see defensive defensemen really going that high in the draft anymore for the most part. Um, Moran was like a, a guy who Flyers fans really took a liking to because he's a big defenseman who beats the hell out of people to, to, you know, to, to put it simply, he's also a good skater. He's got a little bit of skill. He scored some nice goals in the preseason last year. The, the, the turning point for me in like evaluating how the Flyers thought about Sam was last year, because most people assumed that he was going to make the Flyers, right? The Flyers had two spots open for rookie defensemen. And there were three guys that were battling for those spots. Sam Moran, Robert Haig, who was the second round pick the year that Moran went first and Travis. Most people agree had more talent than either guys, but maybe he wasn't ready to make the team or at least the Flyers would view that. And Moran, I thought Moran was pretty good in the preseason. He scored a couple nice goals. He was decent defensively. And then what happened was Robert Haig became the first rookie to definitively make the team. And that threw everything up in the air because most people assume that Robert Haig was behind Sam Moran and probably behind Travis Sanheim on the depth chart. So that kind of threw that whole thing up into turmoil and, Robert Haig, who's defensively responsible, but is, you know, and he is, he was really physical this year. I mean, he was one of the leading hitters in the league. Uh, but, I mean, his upside is probably not that of Sam Moran. Sam Moran doesn't even have that much upside. So that was a shock when Haig made the Flyers. And then you're talking about Moran and Sandheim battling for that final spot. And Sandheim beat him out, which is understandable because Travis Sandheim's got a ton of talent. So Moran ends up going back down to the Phantoms and then the injuries start. So within a week or two of getting sent down to the Phantoms, Moran gets injured. I think he had some, some wrist problems. I don't know exactly what they were because as you know, in the NHL, you could be decapitated and there's, they'd say you're day to day with an upper body injury. So it's (laughs) impossible to figure out what they mean, what, what these injuries were, but it seemed like it was some kind of like wrist or hand injury for Moran. Um, 
and which is a shame because when Gudis got suspended, Moran probably would have gotten a call up if he's healthy, but he wasn't. And Moran was in and out of the line of all season. He came back late in the season. He played in the playoffs, and again, he got injured. He had a terrible knee injury. Uh, he had he's had ACL reconstructive surgery in the off season. He's going to be out until next February. Wow. So. The question is, you've got Sam Moran, who's 23 years old, and like I said, the Flyers have already got their their top four for the future with uh, Provorov, Ghost, Sanheim, and Myers. And then you've got, right now, McDonald and Gudis. Um, you're going to have, uh, you know, guys like um, uh, Linus Hogberg, who I think is more skilled than him, Adam Ginning, who they took this year in the draft, who's like a sort of like the same type of defenseman as Sam Moran. And so the question is, where does Sam Moran fit in? So I look, I don't know what's going to happen with Moran. I think that he could still slot in as a perfectly acceptable third pairing defenseman, but it's hard to see that happening this year because he's coming back for major knee surgery. He will hopefully be ready by February, but the Flyers are going to be contending for a playoff spot. Are they really going to want to thrust a guy who's coming off serious uh, knee surgery into the lineup, I doubt it, especially when at that point you're hoping that Phil Myers is going to be ready to join the NHL. So I, I feel horrible for Moran because he's he dealt with these injuries this year, and I still think he could be a third-pairing defenseman on, on the Flyers, but I wouldn't count on it. I, I think the likelier scenario is that he comes back in February, hopefully healthy, plays for the Phantoms, maybe gets a few games with the Flyers, and maybe they look to trade him is, is potentially what could happen. Or you know, they look to uh, look. He signed a team-friendly contract uh, this off-season. Moran was a restricted free agent, and he signed a contract. I'm just trying to look for the terms here. Um, uh, Three-year, seven hundred thousand-dollar contract. So look, he could he comes back healthy. He plays in the AHL. Maybe starting the 2019 season, he's a sixth or seventh defenseman for the Flyers at a reasonable salary. So that's certainly possible, but. Uh, it's it's going to be a long road back for him, and it's it's unfortunate. But I still think he could settle in as a third pairing defenseman. I'm looking here at the uh, 2013 draft, and it was cho- it was a really strong draft up top. Do you know who was taken one pick after Sam Moran by Phoenix? Uh, one pick after Sam. Oh yeah, wasn't it? Uh, was Max Domi taken? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking at the time, man, I wish you would have taken Max Domi. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i just looking at it. I, Moren's one of three guys taken in that first round that have less than 10 games in the NHL. So, yep. I mean, I mean, hopefully eventually he could get it right. And, you know, obviously, like you said, he's got – He's got bigger issues to worry about right now in getting himself healthy and getting strong enough to come back to play at all. Um, but, you know, I, I to me, when I look at a guy like him, and I think, again, I think for him, it's just a he's a victim of just a numbers game. And he doesn't really necessarily play the type of game that translates as well in today's NHL. And like you said, that was a Paul Holmgren pick, so it probably wasn't the best one to begin with at, you know, 11th overall in that draft. 
Uh, it's, I mean, he's a bit of a throwback player. He's a big, you know, he's a big guy that likes to throw his body around and throw other people's body around, and that that doesn't play these days. You know, you need the fast, shifty defenseman that can, you know, create a bit of offense, and that's not who Sam Moran is. So hopefully, he can come back healthy and have a strong showing with the Phantoms when he does come back and build up some trade value for himself. But I think ultimately there's probably not going to be a spot for Sam Moran on this team. Uh, you know, obviously not this season because he's going to be out most of it with the knee. And I can't imagine with the progression of, you know, all the other defensemen that they have, Phil Myers especially, that it's going to be easy for Moran to find a spot on this team because eventually the Flyers are going to need to bring in other veteran defensemen. They can't just all have these young kids. You know, when you get serious about trying to win – Stanley Cups, you need the veteran guys on your team. So I think that ultimately, I don't know if Sam Wren may ever be a, a strong factor for the Flyers, but hopefully he could generate enough trade interest and trade value that they can move him for, you know, something significant down the road. But so I saw you put out the tweet earlier today, and I wanted to get into these um, questions that some of the uh, followers on Twitter have tossed our way for this podcast episode in particular and um so uh, we thank everybody out there who actually you know fired off some questions and if i could find the tweet i believe here it is um so i'll let you know because i saw you liked all of them so obviously you read over all of them uh i'll let you start it off and pick the questions that uh you know the first one you want to answer and kind of give the the gentleman or lady a bit of a shout out on their twitter handle Yes, let's go down the list. So the first question uh, was from Philip Bexley, and he asked, do you think Ratcliffe will be able to replace Simmons to some level to deal with Simmons departing at some point in the next 12 months? So the first thing I would say was I don't think it's a sure thing that Simmons is going to depart. I still think there's a chance that the Flyers re-sign him. They've got a lot of salary cap space. But um, I do think that Isaac Ratcliffe will be able to replace Wayne Simmons' production uh, on the team. What Ratcliffe will not be able to replace, and I don't think there's anyone out there in the system right now who could replace it, is the toughness that Simmons brings. So, you know, that's going to be the question for the Flyers, is if, if they do not bring back Wayne Simmons, how are they going to duplicate that toughness that he brings because when he's out on the ice I think the players are probably a little bit more hesitant to go after some of the Flyers top forwards um and that's that's something that a guy like Sam Moran could bring to the table so I think Ratcliffe can replace the scoring from Simmons but uh, I'm not sure about the toughness um Danny IB uh Asked, will we see Mike Vecchione with the Flyers this year? You were high on Sandstrom last year. Do you still feel the same or have your opinions changed after development camp? How far away are Ratcliffe, DeHaas, and Allison from playing in the NHL? So, okay, so Mike Vecchione, I'm not a big Mike Vecchione fan. I haven't never seen him do anything that makes me think that he's NHL ready. So I think there's a chance he could make the Flyers as maybe like a fourth-line winger or center, but I don't think that he's going to be any kind of long-term fix for the Flyers anywhere. He's 25 years. Uh, I, I think the ship sailed for him for the most part. Uh, tr- um, Felix Sandstrom, I am still very high on Felix Sandstrom. You can read my thoughts at the article. Um, 
but he was phenomenal at development camp for the second year in a row. I think he outplayed Carter Hart at development camp. The, the keeper is Sandstrom was injured most of last year. He's playing in Sweden again. I still think that he's a potential number one goalie in the NHL. And I love Felix Sandstrom, and I'm, I'm hoping that he can get healthy this year and play really well. Uh, Ratcliffe to Haas and Allison. I, look, I think Ratcliffe can make the NHL in 2019. Um, I think that Wade Allison can make the NHL in 2019. He's coming off of a bad knee injury, but he, I know the Flyers are really high on him. And DeHaas, I, I, I don't know. I, I doubt that DeHaas is going to be an NHL player, but, um, you know, we'll see. Tell uh, um, semicolon DR at Sia Mandori asks, Hey, Dan, from what you saw during rookie camp, getting, uh, Grinning, but yes, yeah, or yinning, it's actually pronounced yinning. So yinning was still a reach question mark. I, uh, I, yeah, I think, so I love the Flyers first picks, first two picks with Barry O'Brien. And then a lot of the picks the Flyers made after that were a little bit strange. And I think this was one of them. Adam yinning is a big Swedish defenseman. He's cut out of the Sam Moran mold. The Swedish Hockey Federation loves him. He was like the captain for the Swedish under-20 team, or I mean Swedish under-18 team. He's going to be in the World Junior Championships. He's a guy who probably has a high floor, but he's, a, he's got a low ceiling. So I think Adam Yinning was a reach in the second round, but I think ultimately he probably will be like a third-pair NHL for the Flyers who can bring some stability and some penalty killing. And he's kind of like a, uh, a safety valve if Sam Moran doesn't work out. Um, just a couple more questions real quick. Jeremy Cowt asks about Friedman. He seems to have gotten completely lost in the shuffle. I wonder what his NHL odds are. Uh, Friedman's a very skilled, fast, tenacious defenseman who had a rough year with the Phantoms. Um, he, uh, and he was drafted back in 2014 in the third round. He's 5'11", 185. He only had two goals for the Phantoms, 16 points. Um, he's a guy who I think is going to have a better year this upcoming season, and he's got the raw skill to make the Flyers at some point. The thing is, the team's so deep on defense that I just, I'm higher on some other guys, like Linus Hogberg, I'm higher on, um, obviously Myers. So, you know, Friedman could could make the NHL for the Flyers, but I, I think um, he's going to have to start putting it all together this year. And then um, Michael Clark asks, uh, about David Bernhardt, how's he progressing? And then Lixell, Sushko, Kate, Lazinski ever getting a real look? Are they going to get traded? And then asked about Jack St. Ivany and uh, Wyatt Wiley. So real quick, I mean, I don't know a lot about Bernhardt. I haven't seen him play a lot. He seems like he's a steady defensive Swedish uh, defender. He's playing in the Swedish Hockey League, so he's been playing against men for a little while. He, I think he put up about 11 points last season. I feel like he's another guy who has a chance maybe to be a third pair of Flyers defenseman. Um, I like the point he made about guys like Lixell, Sushko, Cates, and Lazinski getting a real look because these are all guys who are really good prospects. And in any other NHL farm system, they would be top 10 guys. But for the Flyers, they might never make the roster. So these are the types of guys that ultimately Ron Hextall could trade uh, for good veterans at the trade deadline. I think of those guys... Tanner Lazinski probably has the best chance to be an impact NHLer. Uh, Sushko after that. 
but they could all have some value in trades. Absolutely. And that's key for this team. And then about the guys picked later in this year's draft, St. Ivany and Wyatt Wiley. They're both defensemen. I thought both were pretty impressive at the development camp. Uh, Wyatt Wiley in particular um, really came on at the end of the season for Everett. He was on the same team as Carter Hart. So he could be a guy that, that develops even more this year. Jack St. Ivany is going to Yale this year. So he's another freshman that the Flyers will have in college who, who could develop a little bit more. Um, those are the questions. Really appreciate people sending them in. Uh, it's just it's so exciting to talk about the Flyers farm system because it's so deep. There's so much high-end potential and there's so much depth that it's just going to allow this franchise to keep getting better and better, whether it's through players making the roster or through Hextall being able to trade some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what's great for me is knowing somebody like you who is so tuned in to what's going on with these prospects. I mean, obviously, I don't have much to say on it because you're, you know, you're the prospect guy. You know these guys in and out seemingly, and it's just it's great for me to just grab some knowledge from you and just sit back, relax, and listen to you talk about these guys. Um, so, and. The people out there love talking about prospects. We were talking before the you know the biggest numbers we get on you know this podcast and on the website are you know articles and episodes that are about the prospects. People just love learning about these guys because there's so many people out there that are just so busy with life and kids and jobs and everything like that that they can't you know stay as plugged into these young guys that they keep hearing about and the flies are taking and are just developing and you know, these leagues all over the world. So, you know, guys like you are, you know, you're like, you're like gold really to to hockey fans. Like, like the rest of us that, you know, don't know as much about these guys. I think, I don't know how someone like you isn't getting paid for this, you know, by some top, you know, NHL.com or something, but you know, you're, you are, you're a real lifesaver in situations like this. And I know how much everybody loves, reading the things you have to say and hearing what you have to say on this, uh, on the podcast here. So can't thank you enough for everything that you do and all the knowledge that you dole out to the rest of us. Yeah, I love it, man. I, I, I love doing this. And quite honestly, if I was getting paid for it, I don't know if I'd enjoy it as much, right? Like I've, I've got a day job and I, I love my job and I like, you know, when I'm not working, I like being able to, to unwind and then really dig into the Flyers prospects and going to the development camp. I love because it gives me an opportunity to watch these guys in person develop some of my own opinions. And, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people don't have the time to do stuff like that. And in some of my free time, I, I like doing it. So it's, it's a pleasure for me to be able to answer people's questions about Flyers prospects. And, you know, anyone is always free to, to, to send me a tweet, uh, I'm always open to answering any any questions that I can, and I don't have some of the knowledge of some of the guys who do get paid because they're doing it on a full time basis. But um, I try to keep pretty in tune with it, and uh, it's it's great, man. I love I love watching these these kids develop, and um, it's just going to be so much fun when a guy like Morgan Frost finally makes the NHL, who we've followed since they drafted him, and you know, uh, gotten to be friends with his his dad on Facebook and or on, on Twitter, and it's just it's a lot of fun, man. It's um, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's really, it's awesome just from a, a Philly sports perspective as a whole. There's so much exciting stuff going on right now with the entire sports scene. Everyone's really, um, 
everyone's really juiced up right now, and it's 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 awesome because we've we've kind of been in the basement for a long time, and all of these leagues and all these sports. So to be finally pulling ourselves out as as a city as a whole, it's great to see. But I have a one bit of uh, former Flyers news if you're interested in hearing it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, uh, former Flyers defenseman Evgeny Medvedev in- inked a uh, one-year contract extension with his uh, with his team. Uh, I guess it's the KHL. Is he on Locomotive? I don't know what team is he on. Uh, Avangard Omsk. Oh, yeah, they're a powerhouse. Which he's actually the captain of, if you could believe that. Well, yeah, I, you know what? He had a lot of talent, Medvedev. He did. And I remember when the Flyers brought him in, that was, you know, it was somewhat of a big deal because he had a lot because of all that talent that you just mentioned. And obviously, you know, never really panned out here with the Flyers for that very short time he was here. But yeah, so he's uh, he's inked to another deal uh, out there in Russia. Thirty five years old could be his last one. So uh, best of luck to you bring in them to bring in bring in the research and knowledge to the table. Well, it came. Somebody retweeted it on Twitter today, and I said, "There's no way that's the same guy." I felt like Evgeny oh, yeah. Medvedev is a pretty common Russian name, but lo and behold, it was him. So I figured I'd pass it along to the uh, well, to the people. There you go, fan favorite. Get your Medvedev, Medvedev fix, yeah. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, it's uh, you know, it's time to kind of close this thing out. So go ahead and um, you know, give your shameless plug on where everyone can find you, read you, and hear your words. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dsilver88 and read my articles at www.phillyisflyer.com. My uh, that updated top 20 Flyers prospect list is there available for to read. So take a look at that list. Leave me some uh, comments on the article or, or tweet at me and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Absolutely. And as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman with two N's. Follow the show at underscore getting bullied. And of course, follow Philly is Flyer at Philly is Flyer and phillyisflyer.com for Dan's articles and everyone over there's articles. A lot of good content uh, for you guys to enjoy during this downtime of the offseason. One final thing to kind of pass along. I want to give a congratulations to Captain Claude Giroux on his recent wedding. you know, to his beautiful bride. So I, I, that was highly anticipated by a lot of the fans. I saw all the pictures. It looked like it was a great time. Um, so congratulations to him. Hopefully he can um, continue his success into the 2018-2019 season, and we will see how that all plays out. So until next time from uh, the Getting Bullied podcast, have a great life, and let's go Flyers. <laughs>